I'm Laura Max Rose, mother of two, and you're listening to Look Ma No Hands, my candid dispatches from the front lines of motherhood. I ask the real, tough, honest questions on motherhood-related topics that we're all wanting to know more about, in hopes it will make everyone's journey fulfilling, easier, and more joyful. If you're not a mom, welcome. I want you to know how happy I am that you're listening and that these topics can be applied to any season of life. I'm grateful you're along for the ride. Welcome back to Look Ma, No Hands. I am Laura Max Rose, your host, and I am so grateful to join you again this morning after I think probably two or three months since my last episode. As many of you know, I recently moved to Colorado from Texas with my family, my husband, and our two daughters, and our dog Hampton. And it's been quite an adventure, but I sat down this morning at my microphone, at my computer, my microphone, which I found at the bottom of a box yesterday. And I just felt like I needed to stop for a moment of gratitude this morning. Because since we decided to move here last summer, six months ago, maybe longer than that, I have imagined this moment. I have imagined being settled somewhat in a home with my microphone set up in front of my computer recording this podcast. There were times where it felt so, so far away. And if you follow me on Instagram, you know probably bits and pieces of this story, but let me recap in case you have no idea how I got here. Um, Over the summer, my husband and I came to visit Aspen, Colorado, which is a place where his family has had a home since the 50s. We come here occasionally, but certainly not as often as we should have been visiting. Life was getting in the way. And then coronavirus happened. Texas was a really challenging place to be, especially in the heat during all the shutdowns. So we found a way to get out and we ended up spending a lot more time in Aspen. And for one of our trips, we actually um, stayed an entire month. And about two weeks into that trip, I'm walking up this mountain with my husband and he says, you know, Laura, why don't we live here? And this is probably like the 10th time he's asked me this. It's never quite made sense. We've had a lot going on in Houston, but this time was different. We didn't really have that much going on in Houston anymore. We hadn't seen any of our loved ones in a really long time. I'm looking around at these beautiful mountains and I'm thinking, you know what? Our kids are really happy here and they're really young. And if we move them now, it's not going to affect them as much as it would if we moved later. And maybe it's just time to let go. This has never been something that I've thought was the best idea, but maybe it's time to let go. And I'm walking on the street and I look down and I see the word yield painted on the sidewalk, which for me in my mind was yield to this idea. I know you think, this is God talking to me in my mind, I know you think that you know what's best for your family, but you should yield because you might not. And so I seriously just stepped out completely on faith because honestly, in that moment, I was like, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life, but I'm just going to do it anyway. And I said, okay, let's do it. And I think my husband was in more shock than I was that I said that. (laughs) And um, that sort of began the journey of really moving our family out here. And it was just enormously intense. It became clear during that process that I would have to take a break from this podcast that I love so much. But I hope and I feel strongly that that break has really served me and will serve this podcast so much in the future. So we came home and we got our house ready and we put it on the market. And then we booked a really short five-day trip to come back here and look at houses. There were only three homes available in the area in which we wanted to live. 
everyone and their mother apparently was moving here and a lot of them from Texas. So we looked at these houses and after about 48 hours, one of them stuck out as being the right house for us. And the house that we're living in right now was built by a couple who was much older than us and they had grandchildren and and it was clearly a home that their grandchildren came and just had so much fun in. And it was just such a family house and a place where we could see ourselves growing our family with this beautiful view of the mountains. And there was a lot of stuff that we wanted to change about it. But from what we could see, it really seemed like it had the bones to be our house. And um, anyway, we put in our offer. Our offer was accepted. And our closing period was like about three months long for various reasons. So we had buyers on our house in Houston. Our buyers backed out. At the last minute, we had to get new buyers. And it was all for a reason because our new buyers were so lovely. And you know, staging my home with two toddlers in the middle of a pandemic was maybe one of the most intense experiences I've ever, <laughs> I've gone through in at least this half of this part of my life. Um, and, and and anyway, we ended up finally making our way all the way over here. And it felt like the journey of a lifetime. And it felt like it would be a hundred years before I was sitting here on my microphone talking to you. So I cannot even tell you how grateful I am just to have it set up. Our stuff is still in boxes. Furniture takes forever to arrive to where we live. So we keep on joking, like, you know, the Olaf song in summer, that in summer our house might finally actually be set up to a livable degree. But we're having a lot of fun with it um, as it is. And I'm just so grateful to be here, to be safe, to be warm. If you're in Texas right now, my heart is with you. Um, My heart has been breaking watching what's going on in our old hometown um, and throughout the state of Texas. And um, I hope that you are safe and warm with your families, that your families are all safe. And um, may the rest of this year be far easier than it has been thus far. I started this podcast a year and a half ago. It was so important to me and so special to me. And I have loved joining you on here regularly. And it became clear to me that in order to produce this venture, to get our family several states away to where we are now, I was going to need to stop and take a break from it. And that was an extremely challenging thing for me to surrender to. It can be very hard for me to take breaks, especially when it's something that I care about a lot. Like many of you, I sort of grew up in a world that tells us that when we really care about something, we never stop. We just keep pushing forward and pushing forward. And that's what it means to truly care about something. But what I have found is that what it means sometimes to truly care about something is to allow yourself to winter, to allow yourself to do what all of nature does and to hibernate, to recharge, to replenish, to take a break, even when it's not a break that you necessarily wanted to take. And here's the funny thing. When I decided to put this down, I was pretty much on a roll. Things were going really well. But it was still very, very clear that I didn't have the time and mental space to put into this podcast that I knew it so desperately needed if it was going to be what I wanted it to be. And I took a break anyway. I took a break kicking and screaming. And I sit here right now and I feel so much better for having done that. So if you are in a space right now, which so many of us are, where you can't access what it feels like you need in order to feel whole and happy and to do the things that you that make you feel alive. I want to say from where I'm sitting right now to have faith that you will be exactly where you need to be with exactly what you need, exactly when you need to be there. 
And for me to say that coming from a space of feeling so un- so incredibly out of control over the past few months at many, many times, that that's saying a lot. I started this podcast because like so many new parents, I had thousands of unanswered questions. I also wanted to raise my children in a way that I had not been raised myself. I wanted to give them an experience that I didn't have, and I had no idea where to start. Raising children has been painful for me at times. I don't know if that's always come across on this podcast. Maybe it has, maybe it hasn't. But the constant reminders of things that I experienced as a child and my intense desire to create a different experience for my kids has often been excruciating. There are many people who grow up in dysfunction who opt not to have children. And for a very long time, I was actually one of those people. I am related to people who feel that way. I talk to people all the time who tell me that they just want the cycle to stop with them. And for a very long time, that was my answer when people asked me whether or not I wanted to have kids. And when I met my husband, I sort of tell this story that it was only a few weeks into dating that I had that feeling that I wanted to have children with him. And it was the first time that I really strongly felt like I wanted to have kids. I rose to this challenge of creating a family that was what I would have wanted and what I believe every child deserves. And in so doing, I have faced a lot of the pain that I probably didn't want to face in those moments when I said I didn't want to have a family at all. And I have to remind myself of that a lot. I have to remind myself that this isn't always going to be easy. It's often not going to be easy. And that I have more answers inside of myself than I realize. And these last few months for me have been about exploring those answers and understanding that the experts that I bring onto this show have so much to offer me and have so much to offer all of us. In the end, I am the one who knows best what my children need and what I need. And trusting that voice is such a huge part of my process of life, of recovery, of being a human being on earth. And I think it was important for me in the end to take a step back for however long and to remember that so that I can show up here and I can ask these questions from a place of knowing that when it comes to my own family, I am the expert and that it is okay not to be one, that it is okay to be imperfect that imperfection actually spans far wider than I ever imagined, that this pandemic actually has enabled me to accept so much more of it than I ever imagined, that I am not supposed to be perfect, and that my children are having their own experience on this earth that I am here mostly to facilitate and to support and nurture, but that by allowing myself to be imperfect, I'm actually supporting them on their journey to do the same. I'm so grateful that you're joining me today for your patience, for coming back and being my listener. I have loved recording these episodes for you. And today I have a funny story. I actually had an interview with um, someone that I'd had scheduled for a while and we had a little bit of a miscommunication. So about 15 minutes into our scheduled interview time when I couldn't reach her, a friend of mine popped onto Instagram and told me she couldn't wait to hear my next episode. And I said, hey, could you actually pop on here 
and come join me because I don't think my guest remembered our appointment today. So Dr. Elizabeth Miller, she's now officially a doctor. Um, she has been on this show, I think three other times. I call her our in-house look my no hands therapist. She's not only been through coronavirus with two young children, just like so many of us, as well as the recent power outages and freeze in Texas, but also had another experience that kind of semi-uprooted her and her family, which she's going to talk about. In this episode, Dr. Miller talks to us about ways to stay grounded during challenging times and how she has done so with her own family and the way that we've all really changed our expectations for ourselves and what we know we're actually capable of, which I know for me is far more than I ever imagined when I started this podcast a year and a half ago. I'm so excited for Dr. Miller to join me today for this conversation. And uh, thank you all for listening. Here she goes. Elizabeth, you are in the thick of it right now. Um, You have power back. And um, what have the last few days, you have two young children, younger than mine. What have the last few days been like? Oh my gosh, it's been a little bit nutso here. I do, I am happy to report that I have water, running water, I have warm running water, and I have power. Um, We initially lost power, I believe it was like Sunday night um, around 1 a.m. And it was off for a majority of the last four days. And we got a little bit of it yesterday for about a couple hours and then it went off again. And we woke up this morning to some more power and it's been on ever since. But what is it like having two small children and not necessarily being able to keep them warm? Oh my gosh. It's so scary. You know, I'm not someone who is typically anxiety prone, but I was starting to get very anxious. You know, I have a almost 10 month old who is in the thick of teething in the thick of, you know, sleep regression and everything already, you know, snotty nose and all of the things, but she started coughing and, you know, we live in a warm climate. And so we don't have a ton of, you know, freezing weather clothes, I guess you could say. Yeah. Most of the Texans I know have pulled out their ski stuff like from the attic if they have it. Yes. We pulled out ski gear, um, and, you know, dressed them up in their North face, Patagonia, little onesies with socks and boots and all the things that are so cute, but, oh my gosh, it was just, it was, it was relentless. And I think the hardest part was just the uncertainty of how long it was going to last. And on top of that, you know, I had no cell service for, I would say, majority of the last three days. I finally got cell service yesterday, um, I think around 5 or 6 p.m. I think sometimes we see these really stressful situations um, playing out. You know, whether it's COVID, which I've talked to you about many times, or now rolling blackouts in Texas. And many people, I think, imagine that a therapist has all of the tools to deal with it, perhaps more calmly than they are. (laughs) <laughs> what is your, what is your take? How honestly, tell us a little bit about that. Cause I can imagine people have reached out to you or maybe even projected upon to you that you <laughs> are somehow dealing with this a little bit more glamorously than they are. Tell us what it's really like. So, you know, it's funny if people had reached out, I am sorry. I couldn't answer because I know <laughs> you were reaching out. Um, so I was a little bit shielded from that, I would say, but you know, I am someone who, historically, one of my strengths is staying calm in chaotic situations. Um, what, a, what a trait to have on this year and last one. I oh know. It's a gift. I don't know what yeah. it is, but um, I do thrive in them. You know, I worked in emergency psych for many years. And I think for me, I just, it forced me to hone certain skills. Um, but 
even being a therapist, even having a really good partner and support system, um, it was still really difficult and really anxiety provoking to know that, you know, at any moment we could run out of food. We don't have water. Um, we can't get to the store because the roads are closed off. Um, when you're in that kind of situation and you have young children, how do you find it best to manage that type of situation? Cause I know when I've been, you know, when at the beginning of the pandemic, we really didn't know what was going on. I remember just asking a lot of questions about how to navigate that situation with two kids, you know, what to share with them, what not to share with them. Obviously they were going to pick up on certain situations. So what was your way of, of handling that? Grounding first. Grounding. <laughs> yes. Every single grounding thing that I've ever learned. Um, and I committed to grounding first because I know in chaotic situations, our thinking mind just turns off. And I knew that I had two little kids and two dogs and an elderly cat to deal with. And I didn't have the luxury of, you know, letting my thinking mind turn off. Um, at one point, I just remember being so cold that I was like, my husband was asking me something. And I remember just looking at him and being like, I don't know what you just said. I can't think. You can't think yourself. So you were sleeping overnight in like frigid weather. Yes. It was so cold. Um, luckily the first night we ended up in a hotel. Um, we literally had no food here. We actually just moved into a new house. And so we are still like setting everything up. So thank Oh my God. Did you have any pipes burst? No. Um, thank God. And thankfully, um, we knew someone who was at a hotel and they asked us if we wanted to spend the night there for the first night. And I'm just in ever, I'm so grateful that we had that opportunity. Um, but most of the hotels here in Houston had no water, no power. And so after the first night of us being in the hotel, the hotel we were staying at started having issues as well. And I think they said they only had 15 or 20 people on staff for the entire hotel. Oh my God. And so we ended up coming back to our home with no power and all of those things. But to answer your question, grounding has been my number one go-to. And so what is ground? I mean, what do people, what is grounding? So, you know, the easiest way to kind of describe it and the way I like to describe it to my clients is that the easiest way to do it is to find your feet. Where are your feet? Because when we are in chaotic situations, um, we forget that we are, we have a body. So we let our thinking mind take over and that can sound something, anything from, oh my gosh, this is scary to, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. And, you know, it lets our brains take us into this place of no return. And like I said, I didn't have that luxury. No one who has kids um, or anything to tend to has that luxury, you know, in those chaotic moments to just go to that frozen place. So I did not want to go to fight, flight or freeze Um, instead I chose to plant my feet. I did a quick body scan where I simply sit with myself and put my feet in the ground, even though it was cold, you know, I took my socks off so I could feel the cold, get back in my body, lower my heart rate. Um, one of the things that I love to do to get myself grounded really fast is breathe out twice as long as breathing in. When we breathe out twice as long as when we breathe in, it turns on that vagus nerve that attaches our mind and body, essentially. Um, So when our vagus nerve is turned on, we actually can turn on our thinking mind and make rational, um, helpful decisions instead of just, you know, screaming at our husbands, I can't think. 
and not being able to, absolutely. Well, I think a lot of people are familiar with being in that fight, flight, or freeze mode right now. Cause it's been one thing after the, another. I mean, especially if you live in Houston, I mean, and especially if you're you living in Houston. So before this happened on top of COVID, you had your own little personal saga with your home, oh my which yes. I, you know, please share for those who haven't heard. This is not just COVID and the cold. So we've been displaced from our home for many months because we've moved into a brand new home that ended up having all sorts of issues, one being um, mold infestation. And we couldn't live there. Um, Just a little mold. Yeah. My daughter ended up having seizures. Um, I became gravely ill. Um, And so, again, so grateful that we're out of that situation. But, you know, my husband and I... We're talking, and I think we had slept in 13 beds in the last couple of months. 13. Yeah. And so we finally had found a place that's mold-free and a place we can settle while we work out the things, you know, with our house. But yes, we had just moved into this new rental and then all of this happens. And so our life has been a little bit chaotic. Just um, a little. And again, I'm just grateful that I have my grounding techniques. And in addition to that, I've been doing Ziva meditation Ziva meditation. What's that? So Emily Fletcher, who's actually an ex-Broadway star, wrote the book called um, Stress Less, Accomplish More. And it's twice a day, 15 minute, 15 minute meditations. And I started that in January. And has it made a difference for you? Yes. Yes, it has. And I've had a mindfulness practice and I've had a meditation practice for so long. Um, And honestly, I don't know I was telling my husband, I don't know how people have gotten through the last year, much less the last four days without a mindfulness practice and or meditation practice. Well, they've been really anxious. I yeah. think I have been, exactly. I think, I think it's just been a very anxiety inducing time. And if you have, I mean, I, I certainly have been more prompted to reach out to or read books like the one that you're describing or connect with myself. And, and that leads me really to my next question, which is, you know, when all this first started happening, all the craziness, maybe about a year ago, I think, you know, most of us, myself very much included, we're sort of looking to like, okay, how do we get through this? What should be a short period of time and ideally get back to some sort of sense of normalcy, but as normalcy gets put off further and further, um, and we find ourselves in sustained situations of challenge, <laughs> Um, I have found myself looking at things much differently where each situation that I'm in is, okay, what is this trying to teach me and how can I learn and how can I be, I, I'm, I'm clearly much stronger than I, I realized because I've gotten through all of this and can I rise to the occasion? And what is it that these experiences just back to back have taught you about yourself as a person, a mother, a wife? Oh my gosh. That first of all, we are resilient as humans. Um, just like after Hurricane Harvey, you know, I had my first daughter, my daughter's going to be three on the 20th. And so I was pregnant during Hurricane Harvey. And, um, I remember my doctor's office just flooding. I couldn't get into my high risk appointments, all these things. And it was just another one of those times where I felt like nothing was in my control. And the last year and the last, especially the last year, you know, I had another baby during the pandemic, um, I think the biggest lesson that I've learned is that when we can really ground down and accept our reality and come together as a community, um, there is something really special about that and something really um, encouraging and energetically motivating. And I think this past year, 
so many people have become so separate, so divided and so isolated. Um, if I've come out with anything, it is the importance of coming together, the importance of being able to sit with difficult things and continue to stay in our mind body so that we can navigate the rough times. Because at the end of the day, whether it's Hurricane Harvey, whether it is the power going out, whether it's a pandemic, you know, I believe that we can still find moments to live and live well. Um, finding those moments to connect with others. You know, our power was out. Thank goodness we have a gas fireplace in this new rental. We didn't have one in our old house. And it was two nights ago, you know, we had had no power. We were freezing. We were all bundled up in front of this fireplace. And I looked at my husband and I said, oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing ever. Because we've literally for the last hour sat here and just talked. All and you've been together. Yeah. All of us. And we were talking about the fire. You know, our infant was so interested in the lights and our three-year-old was talking about, you know, how crazy the day had been. And those moments for me are something that I just, I will take with me forever. Um, and so I think community and connection are something, the importance of that are probably the biggest reminder or lesson that I've come out with. I think that up until very recently, most of us, unless we've experienced a very significant loss, have always been used to having an end point when we are suffering, right? So maybe we're a child in camp and we don't like it and we're, we know we're going to go home soon, or we are having a really tough project that we're working on at work and we know that there's a deadline and there's an end date. And this has been the first time, I think, in a collective way in my lifetime that we've all been struggling with something that doesn't necessarily have a concrete endpoint. And then just as hope seemed to be presenting itself, I think around COVID, um, Houstonians have these rolling blackouts and this really, really challenging experience, which was also marked with when is the power coming back on? I mean, you guys don't even know necessarily if the power is going to go back off sometime this weekend. There's reports of that happening. And so what are some of the ways that we can find resilience when we don't have that type of structure. I mean, even children need to know, like, when is the school day going to end? Yeah. When am I coming home for dinner? What is my day going to look like tomorrow? Children thrive with structure. So do adults. How can we create that sense of safety for ourselves when we really have so little control over the world around us? Yeah. I, it's funny. You know, I was just talking with a client today. I it was like, they were like, well, control is kind of an illusion. And I was like, well, yeah. Yeah. It's totally an illusion. Yeah. Yeah. I've like, I even asking that question just now, I was like, well, I think the answer is that you can't and you'll learn that. Right. Yeah. And, and I think what we can control is, is that I, it goes back to this idea of finding that space between stimuli and response. So every single day I get to show up and find that space for myself, for my children, you know, the power goes out. I could totally just like flip out, lose my, you know, stuff and set a really poor example to my kids. Or I can say something like, okay, the power is out. This is our reality right now. You know, and really, even for myself, even though I'm a grown adult, I have children around me, but for my own sanity, really outwardly talking about what is going on. And that's a version of kind of accepting the reality, right? Of saying, okay, the power is out. This is where we are. I'm scared. This is what's happening. I'm nervous, right? First stating what, what's happening, stating the reality, and then moving into your full experience of it, right? I remember the power going out for the, I don't know how many, 10th time at least, and my daughter going, okay, the power's out. I'm not scared. 
And I'm like, okay, great. You know, we have first accepted it and now we're talking about it. You know, the first time it went out, it was really scary. It was really cold. We didn't know what to do. Um, both her parents probably weren't as ground as grounded as they should have been or could have been human. Yeah. And we've moved through that. And so kind of accepting that reality, naming what's happening, really turning inward and saying, gosh, this experience is hard. You know, I think as parents, we have this thought that we have to be superheroes and that we have to have it all together. Um, And our kids learn so much more from us when we just share our real experience with them and are authentic with them. Well, actually, I mean, so tell me more about that because I'm actually surprised to hear you saying that like you're sharing that you actually feel afraid to your young kid because like oftentimes we'll hear like, don't let them in on that secret, like be the protector. That's certainly how I feel as a parent. And that has been debilitating at times this past year to always appear as though I've got my SHIT under control. I really should just mark this episode as explicit, (laughs) whatever I wanted, but, um, you know, but, uh, I, 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 you know, work so hard, I think, to create that type of illusion. I think that's a reaction for me. I think that if something like this were to have happened when I was a child, I would have felt so terrified because I know that the people who were responsible for me would have just completely freaked out. So I'm always trying to create the opposite situation for my children. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is a middle ground there. And it sounds like you're, you're talking about it. So tell me a little bit about what it looks like. The power goes out the first time you're frightened, how do you express that to your child? Good question. So I think first I have to break the illusion that our kids are not energetic beings. They get our energy, energetic beings, and they know if something's off. Yeah, they do. And so if they know that something's off and I'm sitting here pretending everything's okay, that's going to be very confusing for them. Instead, what I like to refer to as leaning into the emotion. So I'm not going to, you know, let my child in on all of my inner dialogue of where my brain was going. Um, But I did allow her to, you know, she could sense the room was like, oh my gosh, what next? Yeah, that was how everyone felt. We were standing in the kitchen and my husband and I were there in the complete pitch black. And I'm like, okay, the power's out ground down. I'm going to ground down. And I spoke it out loud. I talked her through what I was doing. You know, for her, we use the phrase breathe like a bear. There's a a book. There's a book, breathe like a bear. I have that book. Yeah. All the time. So for her, that's a skill she can pull in really fast. And then we talked about, you know, where can we find some light? Do we have flashlights? And of course we were not unpacked or prepared at all, but we had cell phones. And so my husband's like, okay, well we have cell phones. Um, you know, I'm going to use my cell phone and we're going to go search for batteries and we're going to go search for flashlights. And so just even doing that and walking them through these problems, the grounding first, the acknowledgement, the grounding, and then processing the experience of, okay, this is scary. This doesn't feel right. And even saying out loud, like, I wonder when the power is going to come on. It's scary not to know when something is going to get fixed. Yeah. And talk, and you're you're showing them that you're showing them that like you know yes this is uncomfortable. It is. We don't know this. Yeah, and if it's uncomfortable for me, it's really uncomfortable for her. But here's what we can do in the meantime. And here's what we can do in the meantime. We can't do anything to put your show back on. You know that you were watching. It was very right. yeah. I mean, she had you know she was upset about My Little Pony or whatever she was watching. You know, was no longer on the TV. Um, and we had to talk through that. We had to talk through, you know, we can't control it. 
Um, and so she even in her process had to go through, okay, what can I do instead in the dark? Okay. I can help dad go search, right? Um, I can help him. Yeah. Here are some choices. And so yeah, those choices. And in addition to that, you know, as these things have moved on, really talking out how I felt, um, exhausted, you know, my husband and I at one point had a conversation of how exhausted we felt because, you know, at this time we didn't even have cell service. So we couldn't even pull in support or, you know, community at this point. Um, but really talking with each other about, okay, how can we take care of each other? How can we take care of ourselves right now? And you're having this conversation openly and your children are aware of it and they are learning about that. Yeah. And you know, the other helpful thing that I use, um, is a mantra based relaxation. So I have different mantras that I pull out when I'm feeling something and my daughters, you know, well, my older daughter does too. And so talking about that saying, you know, when we feel anxious, we can breathe like a bear, we can remind ourselves that we are safe. It may not feel safe right now, but we are in our home. We are in our own space and we are safe. And we are safe. That's beautiful. I love that. It's amazing how you've been able to teach her those skills at such a young age because she's not even three years old yet. Is she? She just turned three. Right. She'll be three on the, in a couple days, in two days. Wow. That's incredible. I can't believe it. So you're having a nice little, maybe potentially powerless third birthday party over there. Yes. Yes. She's supposed to go ride a horse. Um, They did call us today and confirm that we can still ride the horse. So that's some sort of light at the end of this tunnel. I don't know if that's going to happen, but we've been talking about it, you know. Um, I love it. The things that are in our control and the things that aren't. Well, speaking of the things that are in control and things that aren't. Last time you and I spoke, we were kind of in the thick of the pandemic. Um, I was living there. We were talking about really long-term coping skills. How are things in your opinion right now? Does it look like we're veering more towards, you know, more face-to-face community and what, what are you looking forward to and what are you still on a basic coping level with? Gosh, you know, it's so split. Um, I personally have started seeing more clients in person. I have some clients that just have, they don't have the the resources to, to have therapy in their home. Um, and so I've been so grateful for the opportunity to have a big office with a big HEPA filter and, you know, all these things that keep people safe. Um, and I just, from a therapeutic perspective, in-person therapy is just so magical. There's something so magical about it. People are magical. Yes. I'm so- I miss people. I miss yeah. holding them, you and- know, seeing their faces. Of course. And the transfer of energy, you know, just having these conversations and being able to hold space with another person is just so magical and valuable. Um, and so I'm so grateful that some of my clients have been able to come in person I'm also grateful that we have this virtual option to really help people maintain their mental health. But I, I, I do, I am a little old school in the sense that I love being in person with people. Um, Zoom doesn't cut it for me in the way that, you know, my authentic extroverted self needs. Um, no, it doesn't cut it. I don't think it cut it, cuts it for most people. I honestly think that once this is more over, we're going to see like, a huge in-person influx of activity. You know, I mean, I think most people, I've talked to so many people and they're so concerned about us, you know, permanently going into this state of like this virtual state, but everybody is really fatigued by it. So my hunch is that that won't happen, that the things that could have been virtual will be, Mm -hmm. 
Um, you know, why couldn't I have had a telehealth conversation with my doctor when my kid had a runny nose? Like that stuff needed to happen, right? But I do, I do have a lot of faith in us, you know, having these in-person gatherings. And I think it goes back to that resiliency. You know, humans are resilient, but in order to be resilient, we need to have our basic needs met. We need other people. Yeah. One of our basic needs as humans is to have community. Um, and I think we've in some ways forgotten that this past year that yeah. we are, you know, we've learned from Castaway, you know, we can't live in solitude. <laughs> um, we're not designed for it. We're not meant for it. We are creatures of community. Um, I think we needed to know that. I really look back at our life before COVID and I think there was sort of this over, there was this subconscious suspicion that maybe we could all exist this way. Did you, you know what I'm saying? Like sort of felt that like, cause there was so much technology, like maybe we could do all these things virtually. Maybe we don't, you know, there were all these jokes, like introvert jokes, which weren't really introvert jokes, just about how I'd rather stay in my house and like never come to the door. And then all those people talking about how like, oh my God, I miss people that we really do need people a lot more than we realized that we did. Um, and I think that's a really good thing for all of us to have figured out, you know, if we can take that away from that. And I think a big, a, a, a thing that I'm seeing, at least in our area, is people are starting to send their kids back to school. Kids are getting a sense of community. You know, I sent my kid back for the first day and they wouldn't let us in the school, which I think is normal across the country at this point. But, you know, I pulled up to the school and my daughter saw her friends walking into school. She goes, my friends. And she, she was just so happy out of the car and ran in and was just so happy. And literally every day she goes to school, she comes back and she's like, I love my friends. Um, and, so, and she's so happy to see them. So happy. And, you know, I've, I'm seeing people, you know, getting more out into the community, you know, spending more time with people and overall people's mental health is improving since you can see that. Yeah. Are starting to come together a little bit more. Um, After all these things that have happened, you know, back to back, how can we give ourselves grace as parents? I've been thinking about this a lot. You know, in the beginning of this pandemic, I was a completely different person and parent, I think, just in what my expectations were for myself. And I've really come to realize that the things that I thought were really important, you know, being really well organized, having a color color coded box of bows or whatever, like that was really for me. Um, That's probably really far off in the future for me that I'm going to be organized again, given that all of my stuff is still in boxes and it takes furniture about five months to arrive to the area of Colorado in which I live. So we like sit on the floor and watch TV every night and it's great. And just the letting go around, you know, how rigid I was like with screen time and just understanding like how important it is for me to show my kids that I can let go in times of adversity. And sometimes those times are actually going to be way longer than I realize they're going to be. And that it doesn't really matter so much like how long they're staring at a screen watching a movie as much as it matters that like I can get through this without completely losing my mind so I can show up for myself and for them as well as I possibly can. So what are what are some of the ways that we could, Elizabeth is laughing right now if you can't see her because no one's going to see the video version of this. Um, but uh, But what are some of the ways that we can give ourselves grace. I think, I mean, I read these things on Facebook, Elizabeth and on Instagram, and I'm like kind of shocked. Actually, I feel like I have gone way further in. Yeah. Like microwave a meal or seven per week, like just make it easy for yourself. And then I'll see someone post like, you know, today I, I thought like, microwavable mac and cheese was fine. Cause it was just like once. And I was like, what do you mean just once? Like, this is like a, re- are you kidding me? What do you mean just once? What are you doing? Uh, so what, what is it really? I think some of us don't even know like what grace really looks like. I mean, sometimes it's way more than we ever imagined. So I think you have to dial it back a little bit or maybe a lot and say, right? 
I love the exercise of an energy pie chart. It's like draw a big circle and divvy it up into different sections of how much energy output you're doing a day. Um, Because at the end of the day, we all only have X amount of energy to give. So in some seasons of our life, things are going to roll so great. You know, things are falling into place Whether we got the good job or maybe there's no pandemic or maybe, you know, I don't know, life is just rolling and it's rolling with no hills. Those are the times you bring in the color, color coded things. Those are the times you bring in, you know, whatever, whatever things that are extra that might make your life easier. But then there's going to be some seasons of life where you just can't worry about the extra um, because yeah. you, all of your attention and all of your energy must go to just surviving. And my hope for people is that they can survive while living. You know, even in the midst of all of these hard things, my hope is that people can really ground down. People can find the moments of connection. People can seek support. People can, you know, use, pull in whatever they need to. um, That's a healthy coping mechanism, hopefully, that gives you the energy to tune into what really matters to you. And I think this past year has really shown a lot of people that a lot of us were doing things that had no meaning to us. Um, you know, I told my husband, we signed up for soccer practice on Saturday mornings. This is like the one time where we have family time and it was miserable. And at the beginning of the pandemic, I'm like, look, I'm not doing soccer anymore. It's not for me. It wasn't worth my energy. It wasn't worth the tantrums. It wasn't worth, you know, her wanting to play on the, the playground that was right there that was closed because of the pandemic. Right. It was just so much energy output for me. And so going back to really our heart space and asking ourselves, like, are the things we're doing in alignment with what we need right now in this season of life? Because every single season of life is going to be so different. And like I said, some seasons, things are just going to flow and they're going to be great. And other seasons are going to be tough. And if cooking isn't your thing and it doesn't bring you energy or joy, do whatever you got to do to feed yourself, feed your kids and move on because it's not worth the stress or the worry of, or the energy to worry about it. I love that. I think that's so beautiful. And I love that you describe it as, you know, the energy that you're using to, um, to spend on, you know, either what you do enjoy or what you don't enjoy. And I do remember at the beginning of the pandemic, like so many of those things coming to the surface and how many things we just kind of like let go of all at once. Mm -hmm. And as things start to come back into some sort of normal flow, I I do wonder how much of that stuff will come back because I think most of us are going to be relatively resistant to it, especially when it comes to like over-programming ourselves, our children. And I love how you said, like, we were just miserable going to soccer every morning. This was our only family time. I think you know, I'm certainly feeling like way more protective of that time and space, um, than I once was. And, um, I, I hope that is one of the lessons that we're able to take out and take away from all of this. So what does life look like going forward for you now that you're back in your rental? Are you staying there for a while? What's happening with your old house? Tell us everything. The old house is a mess. It is a (laughs) mess. I'm so sorry. And the furniture, you can't save it either. Can you? Because of the mold. Right. Um, I, I got a, I'm in the process actually of creating a course on how to do this because what we're finding out is so many people in Houston are impacted by these things. And uh, you are not the first family that I've heard of that has had no. a moldy issue. We live in a sauna. Um, and yeah. it's this week when we live in a freezer, but you know, right. normally I live in a sauna. A lot of people have mold issues. Um, and 
it's so unhealthy and it is so linked to so many health issues and there are not enough resources or doctors that have a full real understanding of, you know, the, the tragedy that comes with it. And so you're creating a resource for, I'm working on it. I'm working on it in the midst of this. Um, I am working on it because it is one of those things that it's just so hard to describe. And yes, we had to say goodbye to most of our belongings um, with the exception of a few things that could be restored. Um, but yes, it's kind of like a house fire in a sense that, you know, you say goodbye to your things and you start and not, and you just built your house at the same yeah, time. And we just built our house. So it is, it was a place we thought we would be for a long time. And, you know, this is a season of life where, you know, things aren't necessarily in the flow, but we're working through it. And at the end of the day, um, I think I've said this so many times, stuff is just stuff. Some things have sentimental value. Some things, you know, are really meaningful. But at the end of the day, I have my family and I have amazing friends and a community that supports me and encourages me when I'm down. Um, You know, I had two of my best friends show up a couple weeks ago just to stay with me for the week because I was just so devastated. I was devastated that our life had taken this turn. Um, And, you know, my friends were there to just cheer me up and remind me of the positive things and remind me of, you know, the things that are going well in my life, because at the end of the day, I do have things that are going well. That's beautiful. Ah, I love it. I'm so grateful to have had you on here today. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining me. And um, I am wishing you only ease and um, just sliding through life from this moment forward. May you have a much easier 2021. And thank you all for joining me today. Um, You've been listening to Look Ma No Hands. I am Laura Max Rose, and I look forward to joining you again on my next episode. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Look Ma No Hands. I'm Laura Max Rose, and you can follow me on Instagram at Laura Max Rose to stay up to date on upcoming episodes and the behind the scenes of my life with my own two daughters. If you like this episode and are enjoying Look Ma No Hands, the best way you can help me spread the word is to leave a review on Apple Podcast. This is the single best way to help me reach a larger audience and share these conversations with everyone who needs to hear them. If you love something you just heard, you can also take a screenshot of the episode and share it on social media. There might be someone you know who needs to hear what you just heard, and that's another great way to make sure they do. Thank you for joining me every week. I'm grateful for each and every one of you. More next time. Mama. Mama. Mama.